Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we smash and bash the 90s animated series reboot. I'm Hexadecimal. I've been a fan for a long time of destruction. I'm Megabyte, and this is my first time being successful at anything. Each week, we'll take an episode, dissect it, tear out its guts, and find some trivia and try to discover our frostiest moments. This week... We're dead before dawn, as we take on to mend and defend. Oh, Jessica. (laughs) Did you have a spooky week, Ben? Uh, Kind of. It's been raining all the week. It's been like hot and humid and rainy. It's true. It has. It's been very dark and gray with all the rain. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Oh, not too much. Uh, I got to kind of go to the shore this weekend while it was raining. We got very wet walking down the boardwalk, and we didn't escape the room. A spooky one with pirates. Oh, nice. I love those. How was your week, Ben? It's been pretty good. It's been low-key. Like, I haven't really gone anywhere just because of the weather. Um, I went out, you know, hung out with a friend for drinks last night, but that's, you know, <laughs> nothing too exciting. Drinks can be exciting. Yeah, they can be. <laughs> for adult life, after 30, going outside the house, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have a lot to get to this week, I think. I think we do. So why don't we get to it? All right. All right. So today we're doing season three, episode one, To Mend and Defend. It first aired on August 20th, 1997. It was written by Marv Wolfman. The story was by Gavin Blair, Phil Mitchell, Ian Pearson, and Michael Scorey. And we have a brand new intro sequence. Brand new intro that serves both as a tone setter and kind of a recap of what happened last episode. Yeah, it's basically a previously on as the intro, because, I mean, I guess because it's been about a year and a half since the last episode aired. Yeah, it's been quite some time, especially if you were American, it's been more than that. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's all clips from the season two finale, just with Megabyte narrating. I'm a little disappointed that he didn't say reboot at the end. We've never seen Megabyte actually reboot before. We've seen him in the game, but I don't know if he can reboot. So, <laughs> And yeah, so we, we already, we know now this is Megaframe, that things are looking dark for our heroes. And we get to see that because we open up on a core that's being bombarded by ABCs cleaning up the last of the CPUs outside. And that syringe is still pointed straight at the principal office. Now, did that ever get a name? Like, they called it the hardware last time, but did did they actually have a name for the device? No. I think they just called it the hardware. Okay. Well, it's still (laughs) charging uh, from last season. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, the CPUs are flying around and getting blown up. And uh, Megabyte tells Hex to fire when ready, and she shoots an energy bolt towards the principal office. Its shields are up, but the explosion shakes everybody inside. Mouse is doing her best hacking to keep them up and running, and we get to see a bedraggled nerd binome with his one glass. Sir, what's left of the CPU attack force is requesting landing clearance. There's only nine ships. The rest didn't make it. And here's where we really get a sense of what's happened in the last year and a half, because Megabyte and Hexadecimal largely look the same, but holy cow, look at the changes our characters have been through. Yeah, definitely. You can see it right away. 
uh, especially in like the chestal area. <laughs> well, the, the first hint is that nerdy binome, like when he's explaining the situation, like his facial movements and acting and just his look in general, like they're superb. Oh yeah, he's great. The little, like, little movement of the glasses as he jumps up and down. Like his eyelid and everything, yeah. Really good stuff. And so he tells the crew that there are only nine ships left and they are requesting landing clearance. And Dot tells them not to break formation and approach in single file. Yeah, the nerd's not sure if this is going to work, but uh, Fog is scared of really angry Dot. And so <laughs> tells him to just listen to what she says. And just then, Megabyte appears on screen to tell them that it's hopeless, but they could still be spared if they... Surrender the principal office to me and take your place at my feet. Enzo's not having it. He's a guardian now. They're not surrendering nothing. Yeah, now speaking of Enzo, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this. <laughs> Because now in fiction, it's been, what, like a minute and a half since the uh, finale? Yes. But in reality, it looks like Enzo's aged in real time. I mean, in some ways he has. You may notice his voice is maybe a little bit deeper. We'll never surrender to you, mega breath. His voice and his face, like, has changed, too. He's, he turned into a teenager within minutes. Yeah. It's like, man, he's been through some shit in the last minute. <laughs> When he yelled that no last time, that was just, you know. <laughs> He's got like a gray streak in his hair, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they gave him a little bit of a new face. They gave Dot one, too. Like, Dot's face is a little bit rounder and softer mm-hmm. than it was last season. And so, yeah, they kind of, when they're doing those tweaks on the character models, aged him up just a tad. It's a little jarring when you're watching it a week later. <laughs> it is. So, uh, meanwhile, the cop cars are lining up in single file as the viral ABCs split up into two groups, just as Dot predicted. Turns out she's read The Art of War. They're playing <laughs> right into her hands. Yes. So the uh, the two lines of uh, ABCs line up their sights on the CPUs, and we get some fun little moments between the binome pilots. Well, you heard the little lady. Single file. Proceed heading 1138. Stay frosty. As Mouse lowers the shields. This allows uh, gunners to fire on the ABCs before they fire on the CPUs. And so the uh, cop cars make it back just in time for donuts. They start lining them up and taking them down. But those last couple of ABCs that go down crash into the principal office and Mouse isn't able to get the shields back up. Megabyte spells blood in the water and orders Hex to stand down so he can go claim his prize. (laughs) Yeah, he tells Hex to power down because they don't actually want to destroy the principal office. Well, Hex does. (laughs) Oh, but dear brother, the principal office is screaming out to be destroyed! But he's like, listen, you and I will also definitely for sure also be destroyed if that thing goes. Hex. She's like... Hmm, that's true, but it would be pretty. Let's do it anyways. <laughs> well, time to die. <laughs> <laughs> and she fires off one last shot. Thankfully, Mouse gets a portion of the shield up in time. She's not sure how long it's going to hold, and one more shot's probably going to be all that they can handle. So everyone gets to live a little bit longer. Yay. Dot has a momentary lapse here where she thinks of Bob longingly and Mouse has to tell her to keep it together. She's like, can you get your head out of your boyfriend's ass for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> They're guardianless now and she's gonna have to accept that. Though Enzo uses this time to bristle and point out that he's the guardian now. He's like, I mean, I didn't go to school or nothing for it except the school of life. <laughs> it's got the school of hard knocks. <laughs> and Dot's like, yeah, no, we need somebody with a degree or peach fuzz. Meanwhile, Mouse has already changed into her battle armor, and everyone just kind of stares at her for a minute. So she's like, what, is my fly down? (laughs) 
She looks so good. I love her battle armor. I've been looking forward to their outfit change for two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Dot reboots too. And like, man, you can feel the emotion on her face. Like they did a really good job of making her seem like she's just like seconds away from tearing up. Oh yeah, they really did. You can see everything that's going on there. Her determination, her fierceness, her pain. Here she's she's doing this, but she doesn't want to do it. Like you could read all of that, and they did such a good job. And same with Enzo too. Like even him, like his sadness, you know. Yeah, he's watching them walk out the door without him, and he's just devastated that he's can't help. You know, he feels like he really has that responsibility now, and he's still being treated as a kid. Yeah, Fong tries consoling him, but he's like, "No, you're right. I'm nothing, just a big old phony." <laughs> <laughs> The uh, nerd guy mentions that Hex is about to fire again, but he's not sure if the shield's in place because Mouse's code is way too much for him. He's like, I can't read Mouse's handwriting. (laughs) (laughs) We get this fun moment with Fong where he kind of wheels the nerd guy out of the way and his glasses go flying and land on Fong's face. That was a great shot. I like (laughs) laughed out loud at that. (laughs) The one little like glasses lens takes up both of Fong's eyes. It's it was good. It was mm-hmm. good stuff. And you can see the matrix like reflected in his glasses as he realized that he doesn't know kung fu after all. <laughs> so uh, Hex is about to fire off one more blast, but Megabyte says, "Destroy my city? I don't think so." <laughs> <laughs> he tries to stop her, but she swats him away, and he falls to his death. They really need to think about having better railings on their machinery. They really do. I feel like railings would come in handy. Or even just an indoor section that they can operate from, you know? (laughs) Thankfully, uh, Hack and Slash are there to save him before he becomes street pizza. (laughs) And it's just in time to see a game coming down. A game? In mainframe? What? And it's headed right for Hex. I think this is fun. I don't think we've seen Hexadecimal inside a game yet. Yeah, except it kind of misses. <laughs> it collides with the device, which causes her to electrocute and overload. And she gets that light shining out of her mask again. Ah, I hate it. Dude, it's, and this time they have like this burn growing on her mask where the energy is forming out. Really good effect. If we thought it was disturbing last time, they really upped it again. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Dot and Mouse are watching on with a couple of green berets behind them. (laughs) And they're just like, oh, well, I guess that works. Yeah, that was easy. They're going back to the shop to have donuts with the cops, you know? Coffee? Coffee? We're good? (laughs) But the Guardian protocol means that Enzo feels compelled to enter the game, and Andrea is in tow. So Mouse and Dot head right after him. Yeah, because win or lose, Andrea will be sucked up with the game since she's just a sprite out of water. So what do they do? Cut to Frisket, who's been spending his time chewing up ABCs and spitting them out. (laughs) He's like, hey, everybody's running? I'll run too. I like running. (laughs) Mouse manages to grab Andrea while Dot follows Enzo into the GameCube. And suddenly... This is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 It's a creepy, misty cemetery in the dark of night. Dot remarks that it seems so pleasant. Enzo asks where Andrea is immediately, and Dot tells him, don't worry about it. We gotta finish this game. Get out as soon as we can. But Enzo stops her from rebooting. He's like, let me read the manual first. God. <laughs> and you can see this look on Dot's face. She's like, wait a minute. Is he being patient? And responsible? <laughs> yeah, thinking about things. Like, she's impressed. And she, I think this is the moment where she realizes she can't treat him like her little brother anymore. She's got to treat him like a guardian. Yeah. So he starts looking up the cheat codes and a few zombie binomes start creeping their way. But they're friendly zombies. <laughs> 
I really love this scene because they they pull out all the tropes of the, you know, the sound and the distance and the POV of the shambling. Mm-hmm. And then Dot looks around and she goes, oh, hey, guys, over here. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, Ms. Matrix. I'm uh, just getting into character. <laughs> the the zombie gnomes shamble their way over them. We've got like this trio of uh, English guys that kind of remind me of Monty Python. I'm not sure if they're supposed to be referencing something particular. They're sassy as f- though. They are super sassy. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we, we asked the, the questions, questions around, around here. Enzo explains that they are in a game called Malicious Corpses, wink, wink, and the <laughs> user needs to find some missing pages from the Manual of Mortality in the cabin up ahead. We uh, cut to Bunnyfoot and Air Doctor walking over to Hex's collapsed and electrocuted body. God, this charred corpse. Oh, it's so, and like part of her seems like melted and like falling apart. It's really weird. It's awful. Uh, he orders his minions to put her in the back of the van. That's <laughs> gotta be no good. Oh my gosh. And we get a fun little video gamey POV shot from the user's perspective as he picks up some ammo and regains full health, which I think is the first time we've ever seen anything like this on the show. Yeah, the only other thing I could think of was that one time where there was like the weird alien world. Right. And we got to see it from the POV of the ship. But like this full screen where we get to see everyone's, you know, the ammo and how much health you have and how many weapons you have. This like, it's it's cool because it's, it's exactly what a first person shooter game looks like. Right. And uh, so the ground starts to split beneath Enzo and the binome, and so as they leap out of the way, Frisket jumps from beyond the grave. <laughs> <laughs> he does this like a slow motion leap towards Enzo. He's like, Biscuits! <laughs> and then he turns and growls as the user appears from the other side of a graveyard, and we get to see him from a third person, and he has a very familiar chin. It is full-on Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Literally Ash from Evil Dead. Like, they didn't disguise it at all. Yeah, no, it was <laughs> it was not a sly homage. It was, here's Ash in all his glory. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's time to reboot. And uh, Frisket becomes a hellhound, and Enzo does a Michael Jackson zombie. <laughs> and Dot. And what am I supposed to be? So we get a little Adam's Family music cue here but i mean she is elvira non-stop the low cut the big hair the little knife on the side it is the most bsnp defying elvira <laughs> take that bsnp <laughs> and it's funny like she can't even move in the outfit so she has to tear the dress off up to her thighs and like they they're really going for it aren't they like oh they are this is what you nerds want right <laughs> <laughs> she also ties back her hair very you know professionally Enzo's zombie face is super creepy, by the way. Oh, it's super cool. We get this little, like, scene of him, like, looking at the camera with his eyeball Mm -hmm. up close. It's very fun. And then Enzo does some actual tactical thinking here. We get to see that the user has a bunch of ammo. So he's like, all right, we got to get rid of the ammo between here and the cabin. And he orders those zombie gnomes to go grab all the ammo and hide it. And they're like, who do you think you are? You're like, you're, you're kidding, right? We're not listening to you. You're a kid. I knew Bob, and you, sir, are no Bob. I mean, you're not even blue. <laughs> but before Doc can even interject, uh, skeletons start pouring out of the ground, and Enzo's like, yes, cannon fodder. <laughs> First wave of game sprites. Here we go. And so the skeletons start getting blasted. Dot shouts at the binomes, and they mutter to themselves as they begrudgingly go after the ammo. 
And then Dot turns to Enzo and calls him guardian and asks him what the next step is. And I mean, this is exactly what Enzo needed. You could see it. He's just like, all right, I got this. With Dot's backing him, like he, you know, he doesn't feel that kind of sadness anymore. He's like, I, I can do this as long as I've got my sister with me, which is a cute, touching moment. <laughs> Meanwhile, Frisket is just gnawing on some skeleton bones. He's in <laughs> hellhound heaven. <laughs> and we cut to Megabyte watching Fargo. <laughs> And Margie is just dragging Enzo with more racism. She thinks that just because the color of his skin, he is not a good guardian. I mean, he's not even blue, you know. Green's no color for a defender of the system, don't you know? (laughs) Margie, I thought better of you. (laughs) Watching this little news clip has given Megabyte an idea. War propaganda. You tell Cyrus to start a fake news campaign. And we get to see what Cyrus has been up to all this time. He's apparently Megabyte's official leg polisher now. <laughs> did he look different? Like, I thought he looked a lot thinner. He did look different to me. And it, it could just be the update of the character. But he definitely had a different feel. Though he could have also been not eating very well. Yeah, he's, <laughs> Megabyte's been starving him. <laughs> so, meanwhile, the user is just blasting away skeletons. And Dot's like, why is he just standing there shooting? It's like, is he getting some sick pleasure out of this? Is that is that a boner? Oh. Well, I mean, it is bones, but... Yeah. <laughs> they use this moment to break the fourth wall and lecture us on the violence of video games. I was like, what kind of pervert would enjoy this garbage? <laughs> so, meanwhile, the binomes have found some ammo, but the next wave of game sprites have shown up, and they're a little bit fleshier. We get to see Dot and Enzo flying by, telling the binos to make a run for it. The user's coming. It's like a Scooby-Doo run across the screen. (laughs) (laughs) And then we get this gross close-up of Hexadecimal's corpse, and she's been installed in some device of Air Doctors. Oh, it's so creepy. Poor Hex has been through so much. And I know that she's evil, but like, this is enough. (laughs) (laughs) It's like this electrified ring. Yeah, and he mentioned that he's implanted something in her and those implants are working fine. Megabyte laughs at the idea of giving Hex the best treatment. And then they just lower her into a puddle and cackle. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Damn, it's getting dark in here. So, back with Bruce Campbell, he's apparently done slaughtering skeletons and zombies and has moved on to carving up demon trees. (laughs) He's got the last page of the Manual of Mortality. Now he just needs the book. As Bruce starts putting his initials into one of the trees there, he's like, B, C. (laughs) Enzo points to the cabin that's ten feet away and says, we need to go there! Like, why weren't they in there to begin with? It was right there. (laughs) First gets not listening, though. He's going to head straight for the user. Unfortunately, that gives Bruce a chance to shoot him point blank with a shotgun. Oh, he old yellers him right in the head. Right in front of his boy. Enzo's freaking out as they make it to the cabin, and Dot tells him, like, the only way that we can save Frisket is to win the game, because he doesn't have the medical stuff we need here. So they barricade the door, hide the book, and Enzo tries to use Glitch's cutters, but we're seeing that maybe Glitch isn't as good as he thought he was. I was 100% expecting a laughing demon girl to be under that floorboard. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so uh, Enzo can't cut the chain. And speaking of chain, a chainsaw starts coming in through the wall. He's busting in like the Kool-Aid man. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Doc grabs a lamp, shoves it over Ash's head, and tells Enzo to plug it in. And we get to see Ash's skull as he lights up with electricity. His bullets start, like, firing off of his belt. (laughs) (laughs) It's not enough to actually kill him, though. I guess he just had too much health. So he starts taking aim at Enzo. He's moonwalking his way around the bullets. 
which is this I'm not sure if this is a scene referencing the moonwalk or referencing back to the future three. Oh, <laughs> maybe maybe both. <laughs> so uh, Dot takes a scarf and whips Bruce's gun away, leading the mounted head of a deer to crack wise. It's only funny till someone loses an eye. <laughs> I kind of love this deer, by the way. I don't understand <laughs> why that was there. I don't get the deer, but I love the deer. <laughs> I know Gavin's just going to say, well, because it was funny, but... <laughs> 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 what even is this show anymore? <laughs> Ash traps him behind a piano and tries to chainsaw through the piano, but then the chainsaw gets caught in the string. So he disregards it, and now he's just got the one hand. He, he ditches the saw for hand-to-nub combat. Frisket, who's crawled all the way to the cabin on his last leg, uh, manages to trip up Ash as he goes after Enzo and Dot. Yes, and now our heroes encounter their most fearsome villain yet, Sofa Head. <laughs> They tie him up with tape and then boo him into the basement. How did that remove the chain, by the way? Oh, it broke when um, he shot into the room. Oh, okay. I missed that. It was, they didn't like put too much emphasis on it. Well, he pops back up to shout, Undead before dawn! Undead before dawn! <laughs> triggering a game over. <laughs> Don't forget the blood tornado. There was very obviously a blood tornado involved in this. <laughs> yeah, there was like limbs and bones sticking out and flying around. And the game is removed and an ambulance shows up. Enzo is collapsed over Frisket's body and uh, they kind of winkingly say, oh no, don't worry, he'll be all right. And Dot's like, oh no, 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 you get him to the good doctors. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, what are they going to do? <laughs> They're just going to like put him to sleep and tell him that he's living on a farm somewhere. <laughs> I also enjoy that this is Dot like throwing her weight around as if, everyone doesn't know who Dot is and that she runs the whole town. It's like, at this point, if you have to, like, give them your business card, I think you're doing something wrong. <laughs> She's like, I'm Dot, you know, of Dot Matrix Incorporated. <laughs> of I own all of Mayframe. <laughs> so back at the principal office, the shields have been restored and our heroes are reunited. Andrea is like, oh, thank God you're back. Fong and Mouse are getting freaky and teaching me about third wheels and I hate it. <laughs> They're getting along so well. I mean, if you think about the fact that, what, two episodes ago, three episodes ago, Fong would not let Mouse in the principal office. And now he is praising her up and down, and she's kind of flirting with him back. Your codes were magnificent. You are a true artist. Why, Fong, he'll turn a young sprite's head with talk like that. He's, like, blushing and getting all embarrassed. <laughs> And so Fong pulls up a video screen showing that Frisket is doing just fine. Mauling the doctors, no big deal. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> they just ask that you pick him up as soon as you can. I'm guessing that Frisket is mad because when Dot was talking about the special doctors, she meant that she was paying to have him neutered. Oh no, poor Frisket. So Dot starts to lecture Enzo on training to be a, as good a guardian as Bob. Sniff, sniff. Which causes her to lose composure again. Mm-hmm. And Enzo vows that if Bob is out there, he will find him. And Mouse and Andrea have a surprise for Dot. It's Cecil. So he was at the diner that whole time, but he did manage to survive the bombing. Was he saved by Elon Musk, you think? <laughs> In a little submarine. <laughs> Jessica. Ben. This was a good one. I really enjoyed this. <laughs> This was a lot of fun. I was admittedly a little bit distracted on my first watch. Yeah? Was it by the boobs? That was the differences in animation and modeling, of oh, course. okay. <laughs> Not anything else, no. 
Um, <laughs> no, but like, yeah, but like Enzo both looking and sounding different threw me for a little bit of a loop. But overall, like, I mean, they really improved a lot. Even Hexadecimal's facial animation was better, which shouldn't make any sense at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, everything looked better. Everything just had like a nicer polish to it, better animation, uh, better movement. Like the whole thing just felt like more put together. They were playing with lighting a lot. And um, even like the character's chemistry is starting to gel more with Fat Fong and Mouse interacting. Yeah, everything just feels like more cohesive, which considering the time and energy that they had to put into the season between seasons <laughs> and the technology improvements, you know, I guess that's all they could do was get better. So can I admit something now? Go right ahead. I think this was actually the first episode where once it had finished, I seriously considered just starting up the next one. Oh, yeah. I can't believe it took us six months to get there, but yeah. I'm excited. Season three is so good. I'm like, the fact that we got we got the new outfits. We've got Bob gone, which I love Bob, but like removing him from the show was one of the best things that they did because it just changed the dynamic for everyone. Well, especially even destroying Glitch because so much of Glitch is just a deus ex machina to get them out of whatever scrape they're in. So without that, they have to like, you know, use something else you know? exactly it requires them to to think on their feet and like find other solutions and it, it makes the writer's job a little bit harder but it makes the story all that much better yes and it also having bob gun also gives them like motivation to like you know move the plot forward suddenly we have stakes again like real real stakes our hero has been defeated Megabyte could win. He could take over mainframe. Characters can leave the show. So we're, we're seeing it, it feels real. It feels more dramatic, which for me then turns around and makes the funnier stuff even funnier. Yeah, no, it, this was like the perfect balance of having the, you know, still be a comedy, but still have the dramatic moments and stakes, which actually worked. Yeah, even the joke of them like yelling at the viewer for, for playing violent video games. Like, I think if they had done that joke in season one, it would have felt very, like, wah, wah. <laughs> in season three, it works a lot better for me. I think it just having that, that drama and then giving you a moment as the audience to take a break from it and, and laugh with the characters. Even just things like timing, like, you know, all the shots, like, nothing felt like they held on anything for too long, you know, like, they were cutting back and forth to, like, the different binomes, talking amongst each other, and, like, you know, Mouse and Andrea, like... It was really well edited. Yes, definitely. There's there's none of the timing issues that we used to have. None of those like drawn out jokes that are sitting around for too long. Uh, everything is much cleaner. And as one of the things I was really impressed with with this episode are, were the three binome buddies hanging out in the graveyard with them. Those were great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like normally these these three would have been like kind of annoying to have around. Absolutely. But I loved them. They were hilarious. <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely right. So, it was, yeah, it was overall a really well put together episode. Probably the best first episode of the series so far. I was thinking about that because I actually remember nothing from season two, episode one, Infected. Yeah. Pretty much all of the season one episodes I can still remember very clearly. But for some reason, some of the season two ones like are fading already. Yeah, those early ones in season two really didn't do it for me. It wasn't until Bad Bob for season two that I was just like, oh, man, we're here. We're, this is it. So shall we move on to Bits and Bites? Let's go. Pixelacious! All right, so we're going to start with the writer. Uh, so the writer of today's episode is Marv Wolfman. Uh, this actually starts a trend in these episodes 
of bringing in famous comic book writers or people who will be famous comic book writers. I'm not sure how that timeline works out, but we have, uh, I think like three or four episodes in a row where we have people who are famous for working on specific big name comics uh, working on an episode. So Marv Wolfman is most famous for his time on uh, the new Teen Titans um, and the Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, which he worked on with Jorge Perez. Like these are huge comics. So bringing Marv Wolfman into this is like, this, this is big. And I mean, if you can feel it in the writing, the writing feels really, really strong. Uh, we have our, our new intro. So this is our third intro of the series. This is our first one where it's not Bob. And this is our first episode without Bob. Oh, that, yeah, we're going to start to have Enzo intros probably, aren't we? Mm, yes, we are. <laughs> oh, man. I'm really looking forward to uh, an upcoming intro. That's going to be super fun. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I'll have to stop skipping them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we have a new Enzo. This is Enzo number three. Enzo the third. So welcome Christopher Gray to the Enzoverse. It really cracks me up, though, that, like, they got second Enzo because first Enzo started sounding too old. And then in between seasons two and three, which is supposed to take place in the span of minutes, they got a third actor that's even older. <laughs> they could have just brought first Enzo back, probably. <laughs> that would, I guess that would have been, like, between season one and now. I'm trying to think if that actor actually would have been just, like, too far gone by then. And this is not our last Enzo. <laughs> oh, I guess, you know what? It makes sense in fiction, too, because they, they always talk about, like, nanoseconds taking a long time. So It's true. <laughs> so it's been several minutes, so it's been, like, years for him. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So beyond that, let's go into the episode itself. Uh, we get a binome doing a John Wayne impression as he references George Lucas's THX 1138. Uh, the flight path that Dot orders them on is 9701. That's the episode's production number. We get the say hello to my little friend <laughs> reference from Scarface. The tombstones throughout the graveyard reference a whole bunch of the people that worked on the show. I personally saw the gravestones for Walter Hesse, Bob Buckley, and Ian Pearson. Um, the wiki also points out that Gavin and some other people also have gravestones. So if you pause and stop every now and then, you can see their final resting places there. <laughs> I have a specific graveyard stone question. There was one that said, like, the mainframe Royal Alliance or something like that. <laughs> it's here lies the mainframe joint venture, an unholy alliance. Yeah, so I wondered if that was an in-joke or if that's an in-fiction, like, plot point. Uh, no, that's just an in-joke. Um, I'm not sure if the joint venture is just mainframe in general and calling themselves the unholy alliance, or if it was a reference to their unholy alliance with ABC, <laughs> which eventually dropped them. Right. Uh, so yeah, let's get to the game. It's called Malicious Corpses, which is an obvious reference to Evil Dead, in which you have to find the manual of mortality, which is an obvious reference to the Book of the Dead. <laughs> and then we've got, you know, Ash walking around in the flesh, yep. saying groovy and having that chin. Uh, he's got his little <laughs> chainsaw hand and everything. It's another game, quote unquote, game that's actually a movie in disguise. Yes. <laughs> so like we've had Mad Max, we've had Alien or whatever, you know. <laughs> and now we've got Evil Dead. Um, and we even get his Dead Before Dawn quote at the end, which is a reference to Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. We get our first person view, uh, which is very reminiscent of a bunch of different first person games of the time. We get the thriller reference. So not only does not only does Enzo wear the outfit that Michael Jackson wore in Thriller, but he straight up does the dance and the yeah. and the moonwalk. He grabs his crotch and everything. 
we get Elvira uh, version of Dot. And again, we get that little Adams Family cue when we first see her. Mm-hmm. The but I mean, with the hair and the knife and the plunging neckline, I mean, Elvira is obviously the the look there. <laughs> Though her and Morticia do have very very similar tastes. And we also get at the end Mouse commenting on the Photoshop moment between people. Uh, we straight up get Marge Gunderson from Fargo, complete with Oscar. Oh, racist Margie! <laughs> <laughs> How great would it be? Can we get like a fan art of Margie, and then in the background, Megabyte is throwing hex in the sh- wood chipper? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Just like her legs sticking out, you know? <laughs> poor hex! Don't do that to my poor hex. <laughs> All right, and that's our bits and bites for today. Our bloody bits and bites. So, like you said, we have to we have a game to talk about this week, finally, after weeks. We have a game. We haven't had a game in a while. Yeah, so obviously the um, movie reference is Evil Dead, but I mean, yes. we've got things like Resident Evil, Silent Hill, House of the Dead, anything basically with evil or dead in the title. <laughs> I actually eschewed the horror trope and went straight for the first-person shooter trope. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking of stuff like Doom was the first one that comes to mind because I know Doom is something that influenced some of the writers. So it, it was considered pretty significant for the time. It came out in 1993, first-person shooter, uh, where you had that full screen with the wall around it and had your little, like, stats. Uh, so this was before we had, like, a HUD like we do now that you can switch on and off so you can look at the pretty graphics. <laughs> this was like, we don't want pretty graphics. We want little bursts of gore, uh, so, <laughs> which is what Doom was mostly known for. I mean, Doom was known for shooting someone in the face and <laughs> watching a bunch of pixelated blood go everywhere, which I think works really well with this game because that's what we saw the user sit there and do is just shoot skeletons for half an hour. He didn't care. <laughs> I also uh, pulled up Wolfenstein 3D. Okay. In mid-1991, John Carmack uh, wanted to make a 3D game engine uh, and came up with uh, Hover Tank 3D and Catacomb 3D as prototypes. And he decided to shift from this family-friendly to a more violent theme. And John Romero suggested remaking a Castle Wolfenstein stealth shooter into a fast-paced action game. Let's shoot some Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) This game actually had, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with it, um, a recent release where now it's all fancy and pretty. And actually, I don't even know if it's first person anymore. But you're still shooting Nazis. Uh, (laughs) So that's fun. (laughs) That's an age old evergreen trope. (laughs) (laughs) Time honored tradition of shooting Nazis. Yeah. Uh, And then my last one that I picked up was Duke Nukem. Okay. I mean, with Wolfenstein and Doom, like, these three kind of make this triumvirate of the mid-90s first-person shooter genre. If you were playing first-person shooters back then, these were the games that you were playing. They all had kind of the same graphics. They all had kind of, like, you could almost switch one out for the other and kind of not realize that you were. (laughs) So Duke Nukem had a little bit more, it was trying to be a little bit more satire, but uh, in the end, it all came down to the same thing. Let's stand here for an hour and shoot things in the head. It's fun. <laughs> Would you play these games? So as far as like Doom and Duke Nukem, I, I, I've played them a little bit, but not very much. Like they're they're fun, you know, in small doses. 
but if we were to go for like the horror trope, like your Resident Evils and House of the Deads, that's actually more my wife's jam. She, when we go to the arcade, she goes for House of the Dead immediately and loves like really. She loves blasting <laughs> zombies, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's not really my style in that sense. But um, I'll play a Doom every so often. Three. I'm not a big first person shooter in general. So that's what I was gonna say. Is I cannot play first person. I need third person. I can't. It drives me crazy. I try all the time, and I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> is it like a motion sickness kind of thing? No, I guess it's just some weird block in my head. Like, I feel like I can't see the screen. Hmm. <laughs> like, it's limiting my view because I, I have to turn my head to look at things. I, and I, I understand that that's completely mental because it's the same thing when you have a person standing in front of you i was gonna ask how you feel about vr then because it's kind of similar like you know you have to like look around you to see what's around you i've done like zero vr so <laughs> <laughs> i feel like it'd be pretty interesting but i'm i'm kind of waiting for the full holodeck experience like <laughs> <laughs> aren't we all <laughs> as for horror games uh no <laughs> I will watch my husband play horror games because then I can leave the room when it's scary. <laughs> uh, the closest I get is probably something like Last of Us where it's horror, but there's this really cool story and like drama and funny stuff in it. So I can yeah. make it through the, the little bit of scary bits. If it's straight apart, I can't do it. This is wrong. This is all wrong. So, Jessica... In the course of watching this episode, we always like to award the golden pigtail for the frostiest moments. And do you have any nominees this week? It's hard to pick. Oh, <laughs> don't I know it. <laughs> There's a lot of good moments in this episode, and it's kind of a war between what I enjoyed right now and what I enjoy from the nostalgia value. Because stuff like Dot and Mouse's outfits, like, I was so looking forward to their outfit change. I love their outfits this season. And so, like, they finally <laughs> changed it. And I was like, yes, it's that time. But it was so fun to, like, watch it and relive the jokes and relive the experience of watching the episode. That it's just like, oh, right, like, I also like this other stuff. I think my winner, though, has to be the three binomes in the cemetery. That's a good call. <laughs> they were just so fun. And they're like... Their banter with Enzo was just like the timing was so fun. And then uh, with their, hey, we asked the questions around here. Yeah. Like all, all of the binomes, like even like the little pilot ones when they had like their little one-liners, they were fun, you know? They were. And I love the, I love the nerd binome too. He, he, yeah. I think he goes into my runner top. Like his, his whole animation of his look was so great. He was amazing. I loved him. <laughs> so what was your frosty moment for the week then? So like you, like there's just so many in this episode that like it was hard to pick but if i had to like my favorite moments was first off was fong knocking that binome the nerd binome out of the way yeah you know, to, to, <laughs> that was good to look at the um the code then uh margie the margie binome talking <laughs> talking shit about enzo and then uh, but i think like those were funny moments but i think for me I'm going to pick one of the more disturbing moments, and it's going to be the charred hex corpse. Oh, no. Not that I enjoyed it, but, like, it was just so, like, visceral and, like, like it got a reaction out of me, you know? It did its job of being horrible. <laughs> and, yeah, I think you're right. Visceral is a good word for it. Like, you felt it. You felt the, the pain and the ugh. <laughs> All right. And, as usual, uh, we put out a call for feedback. Uh, what do we find today, Ben? So, uh, Vindolf Dwarf at Vindolf asks, uh, can you imagine what first season BSNP would have said to Dot's outfit? He imagines they would have just fainted. 
<laughs> As Wacko Magoose points out, if Emma from our talent show episode had seen this outfit, it would definitely would have been a no. <laughs> It's pretty obvious that they don't have the shackles of BSMP anymore. Yeah. David Cabrera was impressed with the improved uh, art and storytelling. He said he was awestruck. It was like reboot 3D. (laughs) (laughs) At Wacko Magoose, again, also agrees because the visuals were like night and day. Uh, You could feel that they wanted to write deeper stories like this, but they were held back by the powers that be. Uh, And now, at Unique Exemplar on Twitter... Uh, says the game in this one was great that even though I don't care for the evil dead I loved how Dot Ninzo rebooted seeing Hex revel in glee when using the hardware was particularly enjoyable Uh, and he has hardware TM there so (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's its official name so uh, Nolan Hayes goes uh, do we prefer shows that seek to maintain a general status quo a la The Simpsons or Star Trek The Next Generation or ones that massively shake things up as in Battlestar or Deep Space Nine I definitely go for the ones that shake stuff up. One of my favorite, like, I don't know if this counts as a genre, uh, but genres of shows is like alternate universe shows. I love seeing new people's take on older stuff. Um, So like the new Battlestar Galactica was great for me. Like I'm really loving the new Star Trek series, Discovery. I like people putting their spins on old classics. I think it's super fun. And even like the Venture Brothers, do you know that one? Yes, I love Venture Brothers. So like the first season was pretty much just like a bottle episode of the week kind of thing. And then once they started getting into like the second and especially further on, like the farther it goes, just things would get changed up constantly. And that's what I like, like when the story can just kind of go crazy. When when everything has to be the same at the end of the episode, it doesn't do as much for me. Definitely not. It doesn't have that feel. There, the news is out now that they are rebooting Buffy. And I'm so glad that with the reboot, they're going with a whole new showrunner and a whole new idea behind it. So I'm just like, you know what? Let someone else have a crack at it. I want to see what their world is like. I want to, you know, play in that. It might be good. It might be bad. But I just like, I like seeing new and interesting ideas he also asked can you think of any other show that jettisoned its main character uh game of thrones (laughs) (laughs) so reboot was before its time (laughs) (laughs) daniel borett on facebook says as far as first episodes for the season go i have one word that comes to mind groovy (laughs) william burton says uh the first thing he noticed was the oh my god the graphics are awesome and the second thing he noticed was that the show isn't really for kids anymore. Dot becomes a super revealing Elvira, Enzo's eye gave him nightmares, and then the user just straight up dies right in front of you. <laughs> the whole episode was nightmare fuel for the seven-year-old him. <laughs> I can't blame him. Uh, the, the eye thing was great, especially when he leans over a fallen Dot and his eye pops out and is like swinging up and down. <laughs> and then he just like pushes it into the camera. As it fades to black. That was yeah. good stuff. I kind of took that too, like his bouncing eye and like sort of like zooming in on Dot, like as kind of like just another excuse to like zoom in on her chest, you know, repeatedly. Like, hey, hey, look, hey, look. <laughs> I kind of saw that too. <laughs> but I mean, even beyond the sexualization of Dot there, I, that just having an eyeball falling out of a head is, is them telling BSMP to shove it. <laughs> So we have a very important announcement in regards to our Patreon. We have our first $20 backer. Woo-hoo! It's uh, David Gype or Jipe. Hopefully it's Gype. So David gets a nickname. David of the Dead. <laughs> Groovy. David. Groovy David. Groovy David. 
All right, Groovy David, thank you so much for being a backer. Uh, so you're going to get a sticker, um, and we'll be reaching out to you shortly, because at $20, you get to be rebootified. Yes, Jessica is going to illustrate you as a reboot character. And as a bonus, uh, David actually gets to choose something else for us to watch at some point. Uh, this is a little, like, side episode, so... Uh, little bonus just for backers. And everyone gets to share because of your generosity. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. So, Ben, do you have anything to recommend this week? Uh, nothing specific. It's uh, more a general sense. Like, one thing I really like doing sometimes is just taking a deep dive. So, like, find a musical artist where I may only know, like, a certain few greatest hit songs. And I just find their entire discography and I listen front to back and, like, kind of track the evolution and, like, find lots of hidden gems that I wouldn't have known. I've done it a few times with, like, Devo, uh, Tom Waits, Pink Floyd, Blur, and a couple others. It's just, it's always a rewarding experience, so... I just recommend that. Like, if you're sick of podcasts and you want to get into music, just take a real deep dive, you know, and find an artist and just go hog wild. Find everything, you know, that they've ever put out. Don't be like me and just listen to the same album over and over again five times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> that can be fun, too. I mean, I was doing, you know, when you find one that you really like, you know. All right. So that's the end of our episode. So uh, what are we looking at next week? Uh, so next week we have season three, episode two, between a raccoon and a hard place. So we're going to go back to the uh, roots of cartoons in general, I guess, uh, with a very Looney Tunes inspired episode. Can I say I took a sneak peek of that raccoon and oh my God, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's very memorable. <laughs> And then we also get to see Megabyte put his little plan into action with that, that war propaganda. Let's see what he has in mind. Oh, the fake news machine. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you would like to reach out to us, you can reach us on Facebook at Incoming Gamecast. On Twitter, we're at Incoming Game Pod. Um, you can also visit us on our website, IncomingGameCast.com. Send us an email. Just, you know, say hi. Uh, or ask us questions or... Uh, we had some people send us fan art. It was fantastic. We love hearing from you guys. Um, you can find me online at Stirvino Lady. That's S-T-I-R-V-I-N-O Lady. You can find me online at Dudworks, D-U-D-W-O-R-K-S, assuming I survived the purge. <laughs> You're not a bot, are you, Ben? <laughs> I'm a binome. <laughs> <laughs> Our uh, theme music is Spasmatica Polka by Kevin McLeod. I want to thank him, as always. Ben, check this out. What'd you do to your arm? I replaced it with a chainsaw. Oh my god. <laughs> Watch where you're pointing that thing. Hey, come on, you gotta fly. Let me just get. No, 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 no. Ah! Oh, uh. Sorry, Ben. Stay frosty, folks. User wins. What would happen if uh, poor Bob had to hit the Are You a Robot? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't know what this means. Fong! <laughs> He's like, I'm a robot too. I can't help. <laughs>